Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex, the poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. This week was very hectic on the uh, parental front. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but Junior got fired from his job a day before uh, Kennedy's fourth birth, death, date, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, he don't see the he don't see the issue with it, and it's been a difficult week trying to one understand how the hell he got fired in the first place, but two where his head is as far as what he wants to do with his future. I'm very big on guiding when you show interest in things. I don't I don't want to force um, the kids to do anything. He has, he's 17 now and, you know, he'll have to figure out if he want to go to school or he going to work or what he, what he's going to do in his life. And so I'm just trying to figure out what's going on because I feel like we had a plan or I thought we had a plan because we discussed this a lot, but the plan that we are discussing is kind of faltering and I don't know why. And so I've been trying to figure that part out with him by just asking him like, so what are you going to do and um, and just trying to figure out why, like, like how you get fired, bro? Like, that that's weird to me. Um, and he's still a minor, so they're, you know, his job is like, you know, it's just going to go on your record as you, you know, you quit, yada, yada, whatever. But it's dumb. And I'm on his ass about it because he want to be ghetto so bad. All of the kids are so, it's such a weird thing to me that I literally grew up in poverty, literally grew up in, you know, the ghetto. Right. I saw some shit. I lived through some shit and moving here to Arizona, even though I hated here and I moved here for, you know, for a relationship. I also moved here because I, too, was getting in trouble back home, like um, like 2003 through 2004 or five when I left, like I was getting in trouble. And when I got out here, I'm like, all right, I'm going to find the safest place to to live. I'm going to make sure that. No graffiti, no gangbanger, no homeless, you know, and that that was difficult to find. I've been here in the city that I'm in, and it's off of a reservation, so we don't have, like, we don't have a lot of people down here, for one, but also we don't have the quote-unquote ghetto aesthetic. We don't have, uh, we don't have a lot of stuff that happens fully in the inner city. The reason why I moved them here because they're not built for that. Like I can live there and chill and be comfortable and maneuver and understand life, but they are, they're incapable of doing that. However, they have friends who think they're quote unquote ghetto, who think they're thugs and, and just from watching TV and stuff. And for the most part, my kids have been cool with not having a group mentality, like a group thought mentality. But lately, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. Because the things that they do, the things that they say, 
I'm just like, y'all really want that life so bad. And I be trying to explain to them, if I drop them off in the city that I'm from and I let them just chill with their cousins and just kind of maneuver around town and, and see what their cousins see and have to have to live through and stuff like that, they will be begging me to come back home. And all that little fake street stuff, the little the fake gangster, like they'll be able to tell their friends, "Hey, that's not it. That's not that's not what you're looking for. Like this this is real and it can get real." And so that's been it's it's difficult because again, this was one of the hardest few weeks of my existence. Right, like it. it it seems like every time it's it's time for me to tackle an emotion or uh, chip at a trauma or, you know, uh, kind of dilute some trigger, something else happened that distracts me. And this was one of those things. And I'm not even mad, per se, more than I am disappointed, but also confused because I don't know what the hell was going through his head. And... Each time I ask him, it's a jovial response, and I'm trying to get him to understand. So you got fired for doing something dumb. It doesn't matter that you're a minor and they're going to they're gonna say, oh, no, we'll, we'll accept it as you quit. That don't matter to me. Where is your principle? Where is your integrity? And so trying to get him to understand that been difficult. On top of that, we did the balloon release. And normally, normally I do a lantern, but the past few, the past two years, the lantern didn't fly. It went straight into the lake and just burnt out, sank to the bottom. And so this year I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to go through that. Um, because that added so much chaos to my emotions, because again, I'm in this space to where everything has to mean something. So I'm like, why, why is this not working? Right. So this year I'm like, I'm a, I'm a do balloons and I don't know what the hell changed, but I did a happy birthday, the, the silver balloons, mylar, pilar, whatever. I don't know. And then I did the regular latex balloons. And I don't know if them seeing an actual happy birthday balloon, I don't know if that's what triggered them, but y'all listen. My kids express emotion at very specific times for very specific things. In regards to their sister, they mainly just shut down, right? And, and there's a silent healing um, among us to where we kind of know what's wrong, but nobody wants to really talk about it. So we just do whatever hobby or thing together, right? If, if, if it's just me looking at them play video games or if it's just me, you know, watching a movie with them or me sitting in there while they're cooking there, like in a lot of uh, a lot of times we're not even talking. It's just us just being around each other. This year, however, I gave everybody, per usual, I gave everybody an opportunity to to speak their piece, 
you know, if they want to send it to the universe. Everybody said, you know, what their stuff was or however they felt. And then I said, hey, this will be the last year that this version of me exists. I said, for the better part of a decade, I put everything to the side because I didn't have a co-parent. Right. Even when present, I don't have a co-parent. I, I explained that on other podcasts, but even present, I don't I don't have a co-parent. They look at her like a sibling. So it's it's useless. Right. And this has been for a better part of a decade. For the last four years. On top of ha me having to just stop focus on for real, just working like period. That's it. For the sake of making sure. We have a roof over our head, making sure we have food, yada, yada, whatever. For the better parts of a decade, I've done that. I'm the parent. I'm not I'm not expecting any high fives or kudos. Right. For the last four years. Everything is shut down. Everything uh, relationship. I haven't been fully consistent with the business, um, haven't been fully consistent with how I'm eating, with my exercise, with all the things that I enjoy doing. I haven't done them for real because every time I, I start to do them, I start to feel bad. Like, oh, my God, the kids need me. I can't get into a relationship for real because that's going to take away from my parenting because I've, I through insecurity. Y'all know I'm honest through insecurity. I feel like um, I went through this this cycle of trying to date. And there is an assumption that I'm only trying to date because I need help with my kids. And that's not it. Yeah, they get on my nerves. Yeah, there are certain things that they should have learned from a female presence that they didn't learn. Yeah. Life is life. I did the best that I can. My kids are now um, 11 or my kids that live with me are now 11 through 17. Right. I'm not looking for somebody to raise them. Like, unfortunately, however they are now, good or bad, I got to stand on it. And if it's bad, I got to redirect as I can. And so I'm telling the kids this. I said, so as, as a result to relationships, as a result to my business, to my exercise, uh, to my life in general. I have to start putting myself at one A and them at one B. Because they still my priority. I don't care if I'm 80, they 40. They're still my part. Them is my babies. They didn't ask to be here. So if I'm so in whatever way that I could assist them until the day I'm not breathing, I'm going to do that. Right. And so I'm saying this to them. I'm telling them, you know, I love you guys. This is just it's enough for it's enough. I'm tired of being by myself. With a room full of people. And they lost it. And I don't know if it was a release of them, like, finally understanding what I'm saying, or I don't know if it was a, re uh, uh, a release because they missed their sister. Um, 
I don't know if it's because they missed their sister. It was a weird space to be in, not because they had emotion, but because they never express when we do this. I normally be like, y'all got something to say? They be like, nah. I like the 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 jump. It flowed away. The younger two literally, uh, depending on which way the wind is blowing, they'll chase it until they can't see it no more. Our tour is, is too far for them to see the light of, you know, the fire. They lost it. In turn, I lost it because I wasn't prepared for that. It was a good release for me because it was a lot that I was holding in outside of losing Kennedy. I was holding in the frustration of having to be a single parent. I was holding in the frustration of them having access to their other parent, but the relationship not going how it should. And I'm afraid it's too late for it to go how, how it should. And I'm okay with that. You know, and, and the, like I tell the kids, y'all, when your mind's mature enough, you're going to have certain traumas that you're going to remember and things are going to trigger you. But just understand that I'm here to be truthful. I'm not here to hide anything from you. And so we're having this conversation, you know, at during the time of this release. And it's just like it, it, it affected me heavily. It affected me heavily. And I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. So when I tell you we've been playing video games, um, watching movies, kind of laugh a little bit more, even through the pain, like we, I, I just been trying to do the best that I can. But like I told them, just like they live their life, just like they're on their video game, they come and go, they're pleased, they hang with their friends and they're texting and they're just having fun. I need that for me. I need to figure out my hobbies again, things that I like. My identity has been Kevin, the parent forever. The only thing that I am remotely consistent with is the podcast. I've been working on a book for three years off and on been working on my newest poetry album, I think, for a year and a half, because every time I get going, I feel like that my time that I'm spending on that is taken away from them. That's not a them thing. That's a me thing. That's a me thing. And I'm aware of that. From this, from this release, they've become clingy. And my kids are not clingy. They're not at all. But for whatever reason, you know, they just want my time. And I, I feel like they think because I said what I said that I'm going to alter the time that I spend with them, the things that I do with them for the sake of myself. And that's not at all what it is, because my thing is unison, not comparison in everything that I do. Right. Right. The only thing that I'm going to compete with is sports. I'm not competing in a relationship. 
you have your position. I have mine. I don't, I'm not a traditional type person. I feel like whatever your strength and weakness is, we're going to maneuver like that. And I hope that you look at my strength and weaknesses and we maneuver off that. But I'm not competing with the kids. I'm not competing. All I can do is say, hey, I don't think you should do that. This is why. If you do it and the consequence is like my son, you get fired, you fired. I'm, I'm not going up to that job other than to pick you up. I'm not saying nothing. I'm not I'm not saying no. you did what you did and you have to live with it. Right. So now that everybody is under the understanding like dad really is about to start living for for himself, they don't understand. And if you know me, I'm explaining it over and over and over until they understand. But I'm not going to let them continue or let me not say that I'm not going to continue to hold myself up and burden my mental further because I don't want to I don't want to do stuff for me for the sake of not doing it for them. In reality, these kids don't have no needs. They have hella wants, but they don't have no needs. Yeah. They've seen poverty in food, right? A lot of times I can't get crazy amounts of food. It's four of them. It's just me financially. So three, three fifty a month in, in grocery or three three to three hundred and fifty a week in groceries is insane. Especially with the amount of rent that I'm paying. So a lot of times I got to I got to rob Peter to pay Paul to get the things that I feel like will sustain us until we can get more food. Every so often I'll, I'll, I'll get something that they consider fancy. It's one thing that um, that I do when I go grocery shopping. I never buy nothing for myself. I never. And I'm going to change that. But I literally say. Either take the card, go get yourself groceries. This is how much is on the card. Um, or I literally be like, yo, what do y'all want to eat? If what they want to eat throughout the week takes up all of the money, it takes up all of the money. I'll figure the rest out. I know it's unhealthy. Don't yell at the screen. You don't have to hit me up. I, that's dumb. But I know, but then my babies, I've been without food before. Or let, let me, let me not be extreme. I've been on ramen before. I've been on ketchup rice before. I've been on, you know, you, you put the butter and the cinnamon and sugar and you put that joint in. I've been on that before. I've been on syrup sandwiches before. I know what it feels like. I don't want that for them. I don't want that for them. And so I'm willing to do what I've been doing since they've been able to talk, which is, yo, what you want to eat? Because I don't want them to have the same mental experience as I did. So when they grow up, they'll have some stories like, man, I remember, you know, when we first got with dad, like we was eating ramen and chicken and rice for days. But they'll never say, be able to say we ain't had no food. They'll never be able to say we ain't had no lights. They'll never be able to say that dad didn't make sure we lived in the best places that he could. My kids have never lived in a sketchy environment 
ever. And I'm proud of that. Not it, it don't make me better than my parents. It don't make me better than anybody. But it was a goal that I had to make sure that they didn't grow up in the spaces that I had to grow up in. Because of how the world just, just was. Because now I'm like. I gotta, I gotta put me first. They nervous. This idea of putting yourself first, it seems it, 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 it comes off as selfish. It comes off as arrogance. It comes off as being conceited. But people only know where you are. They don't know where you came from. People have no idea how much service I put into to the universe. With, with never getting the return on it, ever. I don't complain about that because I'm me. I want light. I choose light. I choose life. I, I'm going to let it shine as much as I possibly can. Going through all that this week, it was, like I said, it was difficult, but it was enlightening. The release of the emotions, it's... It created a new layer of connection between me and my sons. The, mat uh, the maturity of them now understanding that I have to start putting me, I'm getting older. This, this single life is trash. Not having nobody to talk to on the regular, trash. Not being able to kiss and love on trash not being able to laugh with somebody trash. And that does a number on your mental when it's something that you aspire to be. I aspire to be a great partner, husband, whatever. But I aspire to do that with someone who respects and cares for me in the way that I respect and care for them. And so like, I, I tell the kids all the time when I'm in my mode, like, I'll burn this whole shit down, right? I'm like, this is what y'all don't understand. For y'all, I'll end it all. I'll burn, I will burn the world down. But then after that, then what? Then what? I'm going to have to, to raise from the ashes. I'm going to have to rise up. Like... I was trying to figure out what I wanted to, to go over. And lately, I've been having to go head to head with everything in my life. And so because of that, I want to discuss facing disasters head on and emerging stronger than before. Uh, the goal is to shed light on the human spirit's capacity to overcome adversity and find hope even in the darkest times. This has been a daily fight for me because I legit have, I legit should have victim mentality because of how much stuff that happens consistently around the clock. 
things that I possibly or probably should speak out on, but I don't. Because again, I've been conditioned through pain, through trauma to believe that I'm so strong that I can take whatever. In my older age, and not like, I'm, I'm 41. Am I 40 or 41? I think I'm 41. My mind is more relaxed. My mind is, is more sensitive. It's more open to, to other thoughts and, and, and things. My defense is not as strong as when I'm young and, you know, and, and like using my brain actively, football, track, trumpet, school, like just actively having to think about certain things, right? I have the right to complain if, like, if, if I wanted to. It wouldn't matter what anybody thought of me because of everything that I go through behind closed doors. But I, I choose not to. I choose to keep on fighting through it. Like, I don't think you guys understand in like <laughs> for a person who loves love being divorced. Then trying again and breaking up then trying again to feel in and and and. And getting used, that's a difficult pill to swallow. My choice is as bad as fuck, clearly. But all I want to do is give light. All I want to do is give love. But I, it has to be given back correctly. And because it hasn't so far, like, I'm just head on with everything. I'm head on with work, stuff with the kid. Like, I'm not running from nothing. I've been living in a very, very dark time emotionally, mentally, spiritually for the greater part of 10 years. And the reality of it is disaster could strike at any fucking time. And it leaves us all just feeling dismantled. And this could be on a community scale down to a, a, a individual scale. And your emotions are decimated, shattered. And we struggle with these, we, we struggle with these losses because we don't understand them or we don't recognize them as things we should grieve over. When you love something, someone, a place, and it's taken away from you, or it's broken, or it starts to create trauma, it's like, it's, it's a death to that thing that was. And a lot of us, we don't look at it like that. We just, oh, it is what it is. And then we're following that same cycle, not realizing if we would have stopped at that first one, and been like, nah, this is this is crazy because I really loved that thing. I really believed in that thing and it's no more. Right? When we don't deal with it, we repeat it. What is you running from? This is your life. Like you gon' you gonna run your entire life. And this is why I stand still. This is why I, I don't concern myself with people like, oh, he talked about the same thing. Oh, he should get over. It. I don't concern myself with that because I know I should get over it. And I eventually will get over it. But you have no idea how much it takes to get over the thing when the emotion is involved. 
I'm not weak by no means. I am weak for the things that I am weak for. And so I want to encourage people to stop running from yourself. Stop worrying about who did what, how they did it, what they said. Worry about how you responded, why you was there and why you didn't leave. And once you start understanding that part, then you could go outward. Right. That's why I'm not bitter with the relationships that I had. That's not why that's why I'm not bitter with the the people that I have to isolate from, because once I stop looking at them. As the abuser, the aggressor, the manipulator, the thief, once I stop looking at them and start really being like, but bro, you was in love with that shit, though. Those ain't things that was new. Those were things that you start overlooking. Then it hit me because we all have this. I don't care how you slice it. We all have this. We have this certain. We have this certain arrogance about ourselves that we feel we can change. Whatever we put our mind to in other people. You would never win that battle. A person is who they are. They have to want to be the change that they want to see. It don't matter what you say, what you do, how you help, what you help with. If they are not prepared for the change, it's never going to work. And it's not your fault. So don't allow it to be. We have to get to a a higher level of accountability so that it don't matter what nobody is saying. I tell people all the time, nobody is going to hold me more accountable than me. It is something that I had to work on to be able to do it. But it was important for me because I found myself overly emotional when people did certain things to me. And I know that I am very rageful when I'm embarrassed, when I am hurt. And so I'm always, oh, I'll burn this shit down. I'll slap the shit out of this. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I'm like, but why though? Why are you so mad? Why are you mad? You, why are you mad, Ting Ting? You got embarrassed? You, you thought somebody was going to be fair to you? You thought that you, you thought because you was being nice, because you was being loving, because you was being truthful, because you was, you was being these things in certain situations and you were being open and expressing your emotions because you felt like that was the right thing to do. And then it got ignored. And then so now you just doing you wilding, you doing all this thing over the course of, of, of 15 to 20 years. And, and, and you just going on and on about what was done. Tink Tink, you was there. John Spence said, if you expect the world to be fair with you because you are fair, you are fooling yourself. That's like expecting the lion not to eat you because you didn't eat him. And that quote sticks with me. It resonates with me on so many levels. I was raised to treat people how I wanted to be treated, assuming this was a universal a lesson that was taught and practiced, and it's not. It's not. 
I learned through pain, persistence and action that you can treat someone great. I mean, you can you can treat them like phenomenal and have the best intentions. But if you don't teach them how to treat you, you'll never be treated properly. Everything is conditioning. Everything is a lesson. I don't care how you slice it. I know that sounds so bad, but unfortunately, that's just what it is. I have to teach you how to love me. And it's difficult when you don't listen and you want to just do what you want to do. That's not that's not how that works. It's important to understand you not getting you, like stop expecting what you give because what you give is hopefully what you give is something that the person needs. What you give is something that you've uh, observed and you're like, oh, OK, this is the type of person he or she is. This is the type of person my kids are, my employer. Hopefully you're taking thought to how you are dealing with people. And you realize that what you give can't be returned because you don't even want what you're giving. Right. You don't want what the next person want. You don't feel how the next person feels as a human being dealing with people. The goal of communication is to listen with intent to assist with it, with intent to uh, help guide to advise or or just listen. But when you start doing things for the person, your kid, your partner work, make sure you understand that. You should be giving what they need. In a way that they've asked for it, you shouldn't be giving from a space of you're a dictator or your way or whatever. So on the flip side of that, I never expect what I give. I'm a person that works super hard, but I don't care about money. If I give you money, in all honesty, I'm not expecting money from you. I'm expecting you to figure out things that I may need, whether it's tangible things, emotional, spiritual things, and then you love me like that. But it's your job to, if I say, hey, I'm, nah, no, you don't got to pay me back. Or, hey, nah, don't do that because I did it for you. Like, I don't, I believe in reflective love overall, but the reflection has to be something that is beneficial for me. If you are incapable of taking the time out of learning me and understanding me, we're never going to be able to be full friends, full partners. Even my connection with my kids be broken because they don't really understand. They know their father. They don't know Kevin. A lot of people know peanut. They don't know complex. And so it's your job to teach them how you need to be loved. And not on some aggressive, mean stuff, but just genuinely be open. I don't care how many times I was called extra about releasing my emotions. I'm always going to do that because for me, I have to leave everything on the table. Everything. Kindness, love, pain, whatever. I got to leave it all on the table so that you can see who I am. Once I show you who I am and once I'm telling you who I am and you're still not taking heed, I got to get away from you. Like people don't understand this. And this is one of this is one of the things that I learned from. Coming up out the ashes. 
even when people are nice to you in a way that they think is nice to you, it could affect a person that doesn't understand that niceness. I'm a person of order. I'm a person of forwardness. If I say that don't work for me and you're like, nah, but you got to just, I'm not going to talk to you no more. I know very immature. I know, but I've been mature for everybody else and nobody is listening. See, we, we, we're so focused on the negative stuff. We don't think about how sometimes people are positively manipulative. They'll sell you a dream. It's up to you to stand on reality and be like, no, nah, that, that's, that's not going to work. So I'm not treating you how I want to be treated. I'm treating you how I observe you needing, needing to be treated. If more people started to do that, there'd be a, a lot less arguments, a lot less confrontation and confusion. I don't want what I give you. Fuck out of here. If I wanted what I was about to give you, I would keep that shit. So why are you trying to return what I've given you? Why are you not taking the time to understand who I am? What is it about you that you don't? I'm, you're talking to a little peanut. I'm Kevin now. I'm not the same person. I'm not. There's so many things that have crumbled in my life. So many things that has left me feeling completely decimated and ready to end everything. But I chose me. I choose my health. I choose my mind. I choose my spirit. My emotional energy is important to me. And instead of just hiding from the fact of my life, I started breaking down inside out. I started dealing with my insecurity uh, from a failed marriage. Two failed relationships after that. Early on, repo after repo, lost place after place, financial struggle, homelessness, death, and I said enough. I said enough. There's no, I can't take no more. I can't. There's nothing left of me. I'm just a shell of who I used to be because all these disasters, all these triggers, all, all this stuff, all this trauma is now in the forefront. And nobody fucking tells you that when you decide to heal, and I'm not talking about for play, when you decide I want to be a different person because this is affecting my life, my health, and I don't want it to be over like this. When you really start that journey, that shit is horrendous. It's difficult. I can't even measure the pain that I've experienced from healing. And if I'm being honest, the thing that that scarred me, the thing that cut me deep 
is nowhere near painful as dealing with the healing from it. And that is the weirdest thing to me. And nobody really talks about that part. You think you're hurt in real time when you're cheated on, when you're disrespected, when somebody put hands on you, when somebody steal money from you, when you see your kids struggling because they can't uh, connect with their other parent forward. Like, like you think that that's the hurt. But when you put yourself in the position and you start observing the full view of everything, yo, listen, I see why people don't be trying to heal. I see why people be afraid. I get it. Because you got to face it head on. Ain't nowhere for you. There is nowhere that you can run from yourself. I don't care what you do. You can't hide behind drugs. You can't hide behind alcohol. Your mind is going to attack you at some point. And you got to stand there. And you got to deal with those things. And you have to choose. Do I want to be accountable and fight this shit? Or do I want to let this kill me? The reason I, I decided I needed to really focus on my accountability, healing, all of that. The reason why I really started doing that is because I don't want to go crazy. And I felt myself losing who I was in that, in, in that small space and time. I was losing myself. I let myself or I let those things that I dealt with, the divorce, the, the financial issues, people stealing, being called extra for having emotion, homelessness. I, used, I, I started to become those things and I started to move like I was dead inside and it started to affect my heart. It started to affect my muscles. Um, so many things got affected from the emotional part of who I was. And I couldn't take it no more. And because it, it, it because those disasters, because those traumas affected my trust in any and everybody, I had to keep and I had to keep on myself. Because what I'm going to do, I don't trust nobody to help me. I feel like everybody is against me. Whether that is a false thought or not, that's the thought that's in my head in the midst of all trauma and chaos. I'm by myself. I'm by myself and, and it's so many things attacking me. And rule number one is you put your back against the wall and you keep fucking fighting. Don't let nobody get behind you. Don't let nobody get to the side of you. It's a lot of them. Get your back to the wall and you fight your way out. And so that's what I start started to do. But as I'm fighting my way out, I kept going to the next level and the bosses, uh, uh, the emotional boss kept getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, yo, why does hurt so much? Because it's not like I'm just sitting here decimating the thought or the trauma. It's hitting back. Anytime my emotions, anytime my mind forms the idea that it was somebody else's fault. In real time, I'm like, but you was there, though. But you was blinded. What like like what was it that told you to ignore that? OK, once you figure that part out, then we can move to the next thing. And so I had to start beating myself up. Why you act like you didn't see that that girl was crazy? 
Why you act like you didn't know her attitude? Why 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 are you doing that? Stop! Don't don't do that. That's why I don't talk bad about relationships, friends that I've lost. That's why I don't talk bad because I was there. I saw everything that was happening. But for whatever reason, the level of love that I have for said situations blinded me from seeing the reality of everything. I'm not, I I don't want to ever come off like I'm faultless in anything, even if I was faultless in the sense of I was correct in my actions or whatever. That's not the point because I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to have peace. I'm not trying to put dirt on your name. I'm trying to make sure that we, we respect each other in, in the dealings that may come in the future. I don't care about the, I, I'm, I don't care about being called soft. I don't care about if people assume that I'm a bitch or whatever, all that tough knucklehead street stuff. I don't think about none of that. Look at me how you will. I know who I am. And we have to get to a point where we understand that even when you're broken down to a grain of salt, you have the opportunity to rebuild who you are and come out of the ashes. But when you do, you make sure that you're not coming out spewing flames on unnecessary things. It ain't about revenge. It's about peace. It ain't about getting your lick back. It's not. I'm sorry to tell you that it's not. It's not going to help you. Because you, all it is is that once you get your lick back, you still going to be hurt and all you're going to be able to say, oh, well, I did this back. Is that who you want to be? Is that, that that's what you want to be about? See, in a lot of cases, you know, disasters and, and, and trauma brings people together. But understand this. Trauma only brings together those who've experienced the trauma. Charity is a perspective, and in all honesty, everyone has something going on in their lives. So expecting people to stop and come to your aid is all kinds of crazy. I know uh, uh, it is the right thing to do, I guess, humanity-wise. It would be nice if you were going through something and you could call someone and a community of people would get behind you without judgment, without scorn, without hate in a heart, without jealousy of why is everybody wanting to help that person? And I'm going if you can get. If you can get past that and actually get help, that's a that's a wonderful thing. But expecting it is it's pushing it. For me, knowing that, knowing that everybody got some shit going on, I'm telling you, one of the hardest things that I had to hear, and I think one of the things that kind of helps push me um, day to day is when I was talking to my brother and uh, when Kennedy had passed away. And it was like maybe a week or, or, or two, maybe a month. I don't even remember the time frame from when she passed and when we had this conversation. And we were just talking. And he's like, Peanut, you got to understand this, man. The world and everybody in it just sees human beings as numbers. Your loss is not as important as everybody else because somebody's always losing something. And it wasn't that's not verbatim, but essentially that's what it was. And in real time, that hurt. It did, because I'm like, like, what? Like, what are you what are you talking about? But as time starts to go on and you start to realize that. What hurts me don't hurt you. He was absolutely right. People do die every single day. 
I don't feel that he was trying to negate my emotions about the loss of my daughter, more so doing what he's done my entire life, which was trying to give me a pillar of sanity and realization so that I didn't go too far off. And so every time I'm feeling the way about this situation, because again, I told you guys, still don't have no clarification, understanding. Every time I feel the way, I remember that conversation. Peanut, man, it's, it's just how the world sees it. That helps me reel my emotions in from the why this, why that, no help. It helps me reel it in. It really does. Like, on the flip side of that, this is why, you know, support groups and or friend groups, very difficult for me to obtain and maintain. Um, the few friends right now that I have outside of um, my girl Brandy, my girl Militia, my boy Matt. Outside of them three, Every friendship that I've had over the past four to five years was a complete accident. I don't be, I don't like people like that. I don't be trusting people like that. It's just one of those things that people have just come in my life and I'm just like, okay. And then over time you realize, oh shit, like I'm, I'm cool with you for real. But it's difficult for me to actively on, on purpose go, hey, you want to be friends or, hey, what are you, what are you interested in? Like, hey, you know, how do you feel about lost or how do you feel about love or how do you, like, it's so much. And it's difficult and it's scary. Once you, the reason why I say it's difficult to attain and maintain because once you do get a support system subconsciously, you begin to rely on the group to carry you instead of you running point and helping them understand where they are uh, needed, if they are needed at all. And the reason being because you're so used to handling life alone at the sight of the smallest relief, your mind, body and soul is going to give it to the first person who reaches for it. And that is the most unhealthy Thing to do as a result to your emotions and your mental health. You have to, like your kids say, you have to stand on business when it comes to your mental health. You can't, don't give it to just anybody. I know it sounds good. I know it feels good in the moment, but you can't just give that to anybody because one, it's a lot and you know it's a lot. And it is unfair for you to dump all of you on someone else, even if they asking for it. I'm very big on understanding how I am in my time of vulnerability, my time of uh, difficulty, my time of fear. I'm, I know who I am. You don't belong here. I know. I know. Seems cool. Seems loving. You don't belong here because I haven't been able to control to date. I haven't been able to control the fog. The fog doesn't know you trying to date me. It doesn't know them or my kids. It doesn't know personally my, my employer. and call. It don't know if I'm in the fog, I'm in the fog. And my defense mechanism is to shut down 
I'm sorry. I haven't got past that yet. I'm very open in saying that to any and everybody who deal with me. Listen, there's a part of me that gets so dark that I just stop talking to people. That's another reason why it's difficult for me to date. That's the reason why I purposely I don't be I don't bother nobody. Because when I'm honest and upfront about what I'm going through and like, hey, I just I need that time. It's offensive to people and people begin to post subliminal messages about me. And it's just like, yo, like, huh? I've learned it's easier for me to tell you what's what. And stand my ground and just let the, the cookie crumble. Then to continue to let you do something that's not going to be beneficial for me. It's not. And it's not even that, like, I'm in need of saving or don't want to be saved or don't want to be helped. I have to deal with what I have to deal with. I have been decimated to nothing. And I know I get on a podcast and I look whole and I look like, oh, okay, better. No, this is a daily fight. I'm no longer broken. I have pieced myself back together like a thousand piece puzzle. Right. I've done all the work to fix the brokenness. But there's four pieces from the puzzle missing that I can't give myself and the wrong person can't give me either. It's not going to fit. See, we go we 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 go to people broken and we expect them to to piece us together. And that's the saddest part of healing because we don't really understand that person can't heal you. That person can't make you whole. I tell y'all all the time. Completion or, or, or perfection is is death. There's nothing after perfection. There's nothing to work on. There's nothing to do. That thing just sits there idly. Or idle, whatever the word is. When you've broken down and you've been broken down and beat up and, and crumbled to the point that you have to create this recovery for yourself, you don't let people in. It could be the nicest person. It could be the nicest gesture. It could be all those things. It could be all those things. And it won't work because your mind is not there yet. You are not in that space and time to where somebody could could do that for you. And you don't have to feel bad for it. Just be honest. And that's one of my biggest things. I want to be honest with who I am up front so that there is no issue. I don't have no like I thought I was going to die from COVID. Um, what's it? 2000. I got it in 2020, June 2020. I thought I was going to die. Not one thought was I have to make it right with this person or that person, not one thought. And I was like, oh shit, you're doing right by everybody you, you say you're doing right by. Because when you think it's over, that's when you're at your weakest and that's when all the apologies come in. I should have said this different. I should have done this different. I should have spoke to this person. Thought it was over and I was just ready to go. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, 
but I'm all about I'm all about lessons. If nothing else taught me that I'm doing right by me and whoever is when I thought I was about to die, I didn't feel that urge to call nobody to do a apology run or anything. It let me know that I am authentically Kevin Lamont Howard. So with that, I don't allow people to just be a part of me. And when I do, I'm open. Hey, I trust you. I, I do. But there is a time of year that my mind just shuts down. I am incapable of doing anything else. I don't talk to people. I don't go nowhere. There's a certain and you got to understand that. And if you can't understand that, then I don't I don't I don't, I don't know. You know, we we. We get so overzealous and in, in wanting help. And like I said, you want to give it. You want to immediately give it to the first person to reach for. But the problem is when you, you snap into reality, right? And you realize the power you release to help you, right? That, that, that struggle that, that uh, I can't, I don't want nobody in. But then you find like, all right, man, I'm, I'm, you can help. You find that nine times out of 10 is used against you or not properly at all. And it creates further setback with who you are. It goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about people learning who you are, people learning to observe your mannerisms, your wants, your needs, so that when it is time to assist you, they're not assisting you from something that they think you need help with or understanding with they're helping you and offering assistance with things they've observed that you need. And that'd be my main problem is that nobody like everybody want to help how they want to help. They don't want to help with what you need help with. And for that, because it's nobody's responsibility to help me in the first place, I just don't ask for help. We got to understand that Recovering from a disaster isn't just about rebuilding physical structures. It's all, it, uh, it, also, it also involves you dealing with yourself emotionally and mentally. Like it's beyond important to, um, to address mental health in the recovery process. Like I don't think we really think about that. Like when we, when the pain turns physical, right? When the emotional pain turns physical, we don't think about that in the recovery process. We got to take everything as a learning experience. I'm sorry. It took me a long while to understand that. Everything is a learning experience, good or bad. We got to fight the pain. We have to find the disconnect and repair it and reconnect. We can't just keep living in a repetitive cycle of pain and ignorance. We can't. Do you love you or not? Do you? Like, do you love yourself or don't you? I said before, the problem with, with healing is you got to poke at the thing that hurt you to figure out how to dismantle the, that same thing in the future. And if you aren't careful, this can get worse before it gets better. And we don't need nothing to get worse around these parts on the mental, on the spiritual, on the fit. We don't, we don't need that, but we love it. This, 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 
uh, the subconscious masochism that we have embedded into our DNA is insane. Insane. I don't want to be strong no more. I want to be me. I don't want to be all like, I don't want to be none of that stuff. I want peace. I want love. I want care. I don't have to be the strongest person in your room. I'm the strongest person where I'm needed to be strong at. So the goal for me is to stand in front of the wall until I can fight through it. I'm not moving back. I'm not moving side to side. I'm not doing none of that shit. I'm standing in front of that wall until I can break that shit down, whatever it is. Because me taking steps back won't hurt. Me trying to shift to the side is just a delay. I'm standing in front of that door or that wall as long as I, it takes for me to break that shit down. Whatever the issue is. Whatever it is. We have to get out of this thing to where we can't feel and we can't live and we can't be emotional. We have to start to learn. We have to really start acknowledging and accepting our feelings. We have to. It's normal to experience a range of emotions, including fear, sadness, anger, and or anxiety through all of this shit. Allow yourself to feel and acknowledge these emotions. Stop running from it. Allow yourself to feel this shit without you judging yourself. Enough people are judging you from the outside. Why are you so hard on you? Do you want to heal or not? Do you love yourself or not? I say all the time. It's important to feel how you feel in the event you have to express those feelings outwardly. Do your best to deliver them with peace and understand it. How the receiver interpret it, not up to you. As long as you do your part to deliver it with love, not up to you. It's not up to you. You need to stop sugarcoating your feelings, catering to a sweet tooth. That's not yours. Fuck that shit. We on the savory vibe. Express your feelings. Accept that shit. Be who you're supposed to be. You need to start it like, I'm telling you. Be who you're supposed to be. Start establishing a routine in your life. It helps. I'm, I'm telling you from experience through this battle that I've been fighting for some time now. Creating a daily routine can bring a sense of stability and predictability to your life. And I'm telling you now, I know structure gets boring. I know repetitiveness is insanely disrespectful to your life. You want to do other things, blah, 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 blah. I want to have fun. I don't want to be in order all the time. I'm telling you, once you give yourself a structured routine, your life is going to get that much better. Structure and routine can be particularly, particularly comforting during times of disruption, when people start tripping with you and getting out of character or trying to get you out of character. If you have a routine, that shit ain't going to work. Because I've I've rearranged how I see disrespect. When I'm in the midst of an argument, disagreement, debate. It's easier for me to deal because my mind is not looking at it like. This is a, a life or death situation more so. I don't even care about this shit like that for real to be this passionate about it. So I'm going to walk away. And if you can't understand me walking away, then whatever happens after that is between you and your maker. Period. 
What I'm learning is that everything is conditioning and muscle memory. There is a disconnect uh, between my reality and my subconscious being. And in order for me to get back to who I am, I have to work on repairing the disconnect and having a routine helps. There is, there's times that something will happen or somebody will say something. Am I right now self? I'll feel the heat. I'll feel the anger, the rage bubbling. But I'm like, well, I don't give a fuck about this shit. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Because why am I rageful? Why do I feel that fire burning in my stomach like I want to respond in a way? Because on the inside of me, I'm honest, right? You guys, oh, you make it look so easy. This shit is not easy because on the inside of me, people be saying certain things and doing certain things. And I really be like, I'll, like, I'll really step the fuck out of all of this shit. Because I understand now a lot of things happen because you allow it to happen. Figuring out how to remove your ego from that space and handle it responsibly and gently difficult. With routine, you will be able to, to deal with that. With routine, you will be able to be who you say you are to you at all times. Nobody will be able to move you off your square. They might be able to kind of uh, 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 nudge, kind of knock you off balance a little bit, but not completely off your square because you'll be able to reel it back in because the routines you set for yourself, your mind, your physical, your spiritual, Right. I say this often, prioritize self-care activities. I said it at the beginning. Um, get back to, to, to shit you like. Right? Prioritizing self-care and activities, this is including adequate sleep, healthy nutrition, uh, exercise, taking care of your physical health can positively impact your mental well-being. I don't think we really be paying attention to that. And I'm talking from experience. Like, I'm, I am, for real, now. Um, this one, I can finally say that I truly understand. That, like, this uh, prioritizing self-care, healthy eating, or, or what have you, healthy nutrition. I can honestly say now, I get that. I've been juicing for 30 days. And... and Outside of the first week, right? Because I was kind of getting used to it, hunger pangs and all that, whatever. I don't think I've ever felt this good on the inside of my body ever. Maybe when I was younger, like um, lifting weights and like actively running track, playing football, stuff like that. But as an adult, I don't think I've ever felt this good. I'm waking up and I'm not super groggy anymore. Yeah, I have the regular art. I need to wake myself up, but I'm not like moody from feeling heavy from foods that I've eaten. Right. I'm able to wake up and, you know, snap into it in about 10 minutes before it'll take me a full 30, full 45 to fully, you know, fully snap into the day. I've been going to sleep with different frequency uh, sounds playing. I've been exercising. 
I can feel the difference from before. Self-care doesn't just mean eating right and exercising, though. I think that's where we we get lost at. Um, it's what we eat, the environment we in, energy, having a healthy sex life. I'm healing, but I'm still horny as fuck. I still want love. I need love and connection. The difficulty is allowing it to line up in the same time it's needed. That be my problem with everything. It's like certain things I, I, I know I need, I know I want, but the shit just don't be lining up. It just don't. It, it's, too, it, it, it's too much confusion and chaos in the connection that don't really have nothing to do with nothing that affects it. It makes me just be like, all right, cool, I'm, um, I'm straight. But it's not, it's like we got to understand self-care is not just food exercise. It's, do you have a hobby? What are those hobbies? Find, like find that shit again. I know, like I'm, I'm so lost at what to do in life because parenting has been my identity. Shit, 17 years. But for like, for sure the last 10 I don't know what I like to do outside of this podcast, outside of writing poetry. No clue. Haven't been on a date in in. I haven't been on a date that I have chosen the thing to do, and I don't know how long. I don't fucking know. In fact, I'm 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 high key afraid for active dating because I don't know what to do. Even when the kids be like, yo, dad, what you what you want to do for this? I don't fucking know what y'all want to do. Because everything in my life outside of work revolves around my kids. I'm not saying that that's healthy. I know it's not. But it's something that I had to burn out of my system. It is imperative that we learn this. And this is going back to standing in front of that wall um, until you can break it down. A lot of times our emotions are so high about something, even if that thing is not there, it affects us for years to come, months to come, weeks, whatever. Until that energy is burnt out, don't move. Don't move. Unless you are being abused in any way, move. But if it's just discomfort, if it's just annoyance, if it's just, I don't know if this is working, but the intensity of it is still high in you, don't move on to somebody else. Don't move on to the next thing because you still have that burning energy that's going to allow you to run right back to the thing that's hurting you because you haven't burnt it out yet. Because you still think that it could change. You're still looking at it like, oh, I, I, I hope it gets better. Stand right there until that hope turns to reality to, oh, shit, nah, this is over. I had an issue younger where I didn't want to be alone. I was so hell-bent on being a father, being a, 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 a husband. Like, I tell people, I don't know how to be a boyfriend. I've been doing this shit since I was eight years old. I've been this way as a result to relationships since I was eight years old. I do not know how to be a boyfriend. I don't. 
I'm giving you husband vibes. The moment we, the moment we fully connect, I'm giving husband vibes. Period. It took a lot for me to get to that point of being open. Right? It took a lot for me to get there because I'm saying that because I would be so hell-bent on not being alone and so hell-bent on being a husband. I'm telling you, I wasn't waiting a month, I don't think, two months max before I'm just in the next relationship. And this has been a consistent thing up until... 2015-16 So from 2015-16 to now I've been sitting my ass down No real relationship No uh, Nobody uh, uh, Living with me Nobody I'm dating Like none of that shit Like I wrote it out Because I saw a flaw in me I had to understand you doing yourself a disservice. And, and, and now that I'm saying this out loud again, that's probably why my choices are so shitty because I'm not wasting, I'm not wasting time or, or not wasting time. I'm not taking time to evaluate the loss. I'm not taking time to grieve the loss so that I don't repeat it. And whole while I'm choosing the same style of people each time. The last one sat my ass down because I really, really legit thought that was like, I thought it was over. And it was broken. And I sat down and I said, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to be with nobody. I need to figure out why I keep choosing these type of people. I need to figure out why I'm willing to take myself through this type of pain. I'm, I need to understand why I'm acting like I don't see these certain things with these people that are that are flawed. Right. And these are flaws that will affect the relationship that they're they aren't working on. And I'm not working on them because I'm blinded because the pussy good, the head good, the, the conversation good. You know, we 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 watch movies together, all that type of shit that, that don't really mean nothing for real. We're not paying attention to, to your emotions for real, not paying attention to your mental health for real, not understanding, yo, where you, what are your traumas? Like, like, have you gone through something? And I'm not saying on a first date type shit. I'm talking about established relationship, you know, conversation that should be had at the beginning. Don't get had until the middle of an argument during the break. And I had to understand that for myself. And so for me, I got to let it burn out. I can't move on. Because I'm not I'm not involving you in this. It's difficult allowing somebody in, allowing somebody to stand face to face with you and really it's difficult when you don't understand it yourself. You got to educate yourself on who you are. On what you want, how you want it, who you want it with. Um, understanding common reactions to trauma and learning about the recovery process can empower you and normalize your experiences. I cannot express enough how important it is for you to look into your uh, medical diagnosis, the medicine that they're giving you. Um, really pay attention to the side effects. Um, see if they have addictive properties and stuff like that. Because um, sometimes they won't tell you. 
right? Like when I have to go in and, and get all that type of stuff, I really be paying attention. I mean, and it helps that I work in healthcare and have for the last 20 years. So I know what I'm looking at. Or I know, you know, what to look for. But pay attention to that. Because a lot of times the things that are given to so-called help you are keeping you in that same position. And if you have no understanding of it, you'll stay there forever until you die. Like when they're recommending treatments in, 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 uh, for your diagnosis, when your partner's recommending certain things and, you know, you don't quite understand it. Stop just going with that shit. Start trying to figure out what's really going on for yourself. It's up to you to figure out what's going on. Don't just be relying on people to tell you what's what. You're going to end up staying in the same exact position every time. Every time. But one thing, once you once you figure it out and once you, you know, genuinely start healing and genuinely start understanding yourself and you put uh, the things that you are learning about yourself and about things around you and you start putting that into practice, you got to celebrate it. You have to acknowledge and celebrate your progress, no matter how small it is. You have to. Nobody's going to do it. I'm sorry. Nobody's going to do it for it. They're not. What I'm learning in, in, in our world, unless it's something outrageous, you nobody going to tell you good job. Nobody going to clap for you. And even then, you know, are they clapping for real? Or are they clapping because someone else is clapping? You have to reflect on a positive change you've made in your mental health journey. It helps. When you start seeing you and you start fully accepting accountability of your life, it helps when you're like, like, yo, a year ago, I would have boom, boom, boom. But today I didn't. Six months ago, I would have let that break me. I would have internalized that and believed that. Now, psh, fuck out of here. You got to do that for yourself. I know that's difficult. I know it is. But you got to do it. You have to celebrate yourself no matter how small or how big. Quit waiting for people to see you. See yourself. Listen, I have my, my clothing brand, right? And I probably make sales three out of the 12 months. But guess what? I'm going to keep making shit. And I'm going to keep posting. Right? This podcast gets maybe seven views, 16 views on YouTube per episode. But I keep posting the videos because I understand it's bigger than me. And see, I, 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 I look at the analytics from YouTube. I look at the analytics from the, the, just the audio. And it's in 28 countries. So if I focus on the 16 views I'm getting on YouTube, I'm not going to be able to appreciate. I mean, me, a kid from Pasadena, I'm just trying to help people. I'm just trying to let them know there's beauty in your, there's beauty in your flaws. Stop being scared to, to be who you are. 
You gotta be tough all the time. If you and and here's the thing, if you are like that, stay like that. I I believe you, right? But everybody not that. Everybody has a a, a, a specific purpose, and a lot of times it's not gonna match your friends. And some people out there that's super tough. They like that. They built that way. That's what it is. And there's a lot of people out there that's not built that way, but pretend to be that pretend to be it. And it's not okay. I'm not tough at all. I'm not. Mm-mm. I protect my family. I protect myself. I'm not tough at all. I don't want no smoke. I just want to mind my business, raise my kids, run my business and be me. Everybody not going to see it that way. But you got to keep being you for you, not for nobody else. You got to stand on who you are for you, not for nobody else. You have to be able to rise from those ashes and say, I want different. I don't want to be in the same boat that I was before. I don't want this pain. I don't want to give this pain to nobody. I don't want to experience anybody who has experienced this level of pain without properly trying to heal themselves and without them trying to believe in themselves. Get away from me. Watch me from a distance because I'm going to watch you from a distance. If I care for you, if I if I have love for you, if I want to see you better, I'm going to watch you from a distance and I'm, I'm going to be available when needed. I'm not going to force myself on you, though. I'm not. Recovering mentally after disaster is a journey that requires patience, self-compassion and the support of those around you. As we conclude today's discussion, I want y'all to remember it's okay not to be okay. And seeking help is a sign of strength, not weakness. Be careful of who you choose as a part of your, your support system. But understand, it's not a weakness. Asking for help is not a weakness. It's not. It isn't. Embrace the range of emotions that you may be feeling and know that healing is a gradual process. You are not going to heal overnight, especially when it's death, when it's relationships, when it's just homes. Like, you're not going to be good tomorrow. You're not going to be good in two weeks. You're not. Only your mind and you know the time frame in which you're going to be okay. And not even you. Because you're going to think you're okay and then something's going to, you're going to see something on TV, hear something on the radio, see something while you're driving by something, and you're going to be back in shambles again. If you found a, a healthy support system, connect with your, with your network, connect with your folks. And this is whether you've gone the route of friends, family, or a professional group setting. If you choose that and you're, 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 you trust it. Make sure you give your all to try to heal, to, to try to get the advice needed because you're there. You're, you're in a group setting to be able to, you know, speak freely, but also get different perspectives of what you're going through. When you when you get to that point, I'm not at that point yet. Um, I'm just not. Um, whether you choose friends, family or uh, professional setting. 
allow yourself the space to share your true experiences. Don't don't go in there like I did when I very first started therapy. I was in there like I was in there just to be in there. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't prepared to tell that that guy. My first my very first therapist was a guy. I wasn't, I wasn't there to tell him the truth. I'm there to get that hour over. I'm there because I'm on disability and I need you to fill out these papers. But then one day I woke up and I'm like, why am I wasting time? Why am I afraid to heal? Why am I afraid to, to deal with this? And so I started telling the truth. And that completely changed the trajectory of how I see therapy and how I deal with therapy and even how I deal with my own clients. Establishing a routine, practicing self-care and engaging in activities that bring you joy can be powerful steps toward rebuilding your mental well-being. As you navigate the path of recovery, celebrate the small victories and remember that progress is a journey, not a destination. Stop worrying about where you headed. Pay attention to how you get in there. Your resilience is a testament to human spirit and the capacity to overcome challenges. You have to understand in times of darkness, there's always a glimmer of hope. Reach out, connect, and remember that you are not alone. The road to recovery may be winding, but with time, support, and self-care, you can emerge stronger and more resilient than ever before. Remember, we got to go through something to get somewhere. I'm glad we're doing this together. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to www.peacefullyflawed.com for all things complex and poetic properties merch. If you want to donate to the podcast, head over to Good Pods. It is a great app to have for podcast hosts and listeners. You can communicate with your favorite podcast hosts in real time. You also can leave a review in real time that don't get lost. Like you can review every episode right there and, you know, I'll be able to see it if you leave a review. Also, there's a tip jar there. So if you want to donate, go ahead. If you want to donate to the business overall, head over to my Twitter page, The Complex. It also has a tip jar over there. If you are somebody who likes, comments, or shares, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart, and please continue to do so. I hope that these uh, sessions are helpful to you all and you know make your life a little bit easier and encourage you to allow yourself to feel how you feel. Remember, no matter the darkness, as long as we have air, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Peace.